It's Lotus Gint Anderson's podcast, and it's the 2nd of May, 2021. The time is 11.17, and it is uh, Sunday. And let's just start by reading from the book, The Power of Self-Compassion, and then I uh, talk about it when I have stopped reading about it. So generating compassionate alternative thoughts and images is what we are going to talk about today. So let's just uh, change the scenes here to, let's just pick one here, like that one. So, generating compassionate alternative thoughts and images. Once you have begun to notice thoughts and images that are occupying your mind and undermining your self-confidence, Generating compassionate alternatives may help your new brain to change this pattern for the better. Doing this can help you stand back from a situation and take a more rounded and realistic viewpoint. This way, it's less likely that you will be biased and emotionally controlled by the thoughts and images in your head. The following exercise will ask your new brain to respond to your old brain and, through this process, help you reach conclusions that reflect all of the brain's capacity rather than just one side of it. A question on balance. Understandably, you may wonder, what if my old brain was right? What if people really are judging me negatively? What if I am about to lose my job? What if my partner is having an affair? Generating compassionate alternative thoughts isn't about overruling any instinct that you may have. It's about allowing yourself to look at the broader picture and to draw a more considered uh, considered conclusion. If you then conclude that your initial instincts were right, your new brain can help you deal with this. It can give you the strength and courage to cope with difficult things, It can help you face any pain and upset and remind you of your own resilience. It can bring to mind other difficulties you have faced and coped with in the past. It can prepare you and coach you through the most trying situations. By now you are probably more aware of the range of thoughts and images that run through your mind in different situations. Now you are going to look specifically at those that undermine your self-confidence. To generate compassionate alternative thoughts and experiences uh, and experience their benefits, the compassionate mind approach recommends the following five steps. Step number one involves writing down difficult thoughts and images that you are having or have become aware of on a compassionate thought image worksheet. Step number two involves engaging with the pragmatic part of your brain the reporter rather than the interrogator, and using it to gain a more balanced perspective of the information at hand. It is not a matter of kidding yourself into a new way of thinking, but of drawing conclusions that are considered and balanced. You can use the following questions to generate alternative viewpoints. If I stood back from this situation, could there be another way of viewing it? Is there any evidence that would not support the conclusions I have drawn? If I weren't experiencing strong emotions, would I think any differently about the situation about myself or about other people? If I were looking back at 
a year from now would I view things in the same way? If a friend were thinking in this way, what would I say to him or her? What would I want a friend to say to me? What would someone who cared or cares about me say? Have there been occasions in the past when I have thought this way, but the conclusions I drew proved to be incorrect? Even if I am incorrect, are there, are there things that I could say to myself that would be helpful? Am I expecting unrealistic things of the situation, other people or myself? What may be or might have been going on for the other people involved? <clears throat> is it more about other people or the situation that it is about me than it is about me? And step number three involves using your compassionate mindset to help generate a different, more compassionate perspective on your thoughts and images. This may be through using your ideal compassionate self, your perfect nurturer or your compassionate coach, whatever you feel would be most helpful to you. The following questions may further guide your self-compassionate response to distressing thoughts. Has my compassionate mind responded sensitively and validated the reasons the situation and emotions I experienced may be difficult? Do my responses convey understanding, acceptance and caring? Recognizing that we are complex species and this means that we often struggle. Recognizing that we are prone to self-criticism. Remain non-judgmental. Reflect on whichever one of the three emotions regulation system I would be helpful for me to focus upon at the moment. Remind me that I am not one, not on my own, for millions of people struggle to build their self-confidence. Recognizing that life can be hard and sometimes people can do things that hurt us. Allow me to be moved by my experience rather than avoid things. Step number four involves once again using your compassionate mind and rereading what you have written on the worksheet, allowing each new conclusion to have more emotional impact. Remember, your compassionate mind has the ability to support your thoughts sorry, through difficult feelings and times. This can help turn something you know into something you feel. And step number five involves looking over what you have written and experienced and maybe finding ways to build further upon it. To help you review your worksheet, you can ask yourself the following questions. Are there alternative thoughts and images that I have written down helpful to me? When I read what I have written, what I have written, whether silly or out loud, sorry, whether silently or out loud, is my tone of voice warm, soothing and ultimately helpful? Can I evoke a sense of warmth when I read through the alternatives generated? Harry's story illustrates how taking these five steps can be a useful experience. Harry's story. Let's just... Harry's story. Harry struggles with his self-confidence. This was largely due to difficulties he had at school. Although naturally quite shy, Harry found himself in a group of very confined boys who came from quite affluent backgrounds. Harry's family, on the other hand, struggled to make ends meet. He wore hand 
redounds from his older brother and was unable to attend many school trips or after-school classes because they cost too much money. When Harry was 13, his family moved farther away from school. Harry had fewer opportunities to see his friends and became more isolated. He felt angry that his friends made no effort to come see him. Instead, they expected him to come to them. Harry decided to broach the subject, but instead of sorting things out, it led to a big argument, and afterwards his friendships never felt the same. Feeling low, Harry withdrew from his family, and feelings of inadequacies took over. He became anxious in a range of situations, especially in classes where his old friends were. Harry coped by constantly monitoring himself for signs that he might appear anxious. He also found that he became extremely careful about what he said to people. He was so fearful of rejection. At the age of 15, when a boy his own age moved in next door and joined the school, life turns the corner. The two boys became friends, and in helping the new kid become familiar with the local area and school, Harry found he was able to rebuild some of his self-confidence. <laughs> the preceding two years had taken their toll, however, and had left Harry with a tendency to feel anxious and inadequate. As an adult, Harry found that in a range of stressful situations, his mind would become full of undermining thoughts. Although some were very specific to the situation he found himself in, he could identify key reoccurring t- themes. To generate compassionate alternative thoughts and imagery, Harry took the following five steps. First, he recorded his undermining thoughts and images. Harry then asked himself some questions to generate alternative viewpoints. In the right-hand column of his worksheet, he recorded his rational alternative thoughts and images. And step number three involves Harry's recruiting his compassionate mind to help him gain a more compassionate perspective on his situation. He chose to do this by first engaging in his soothing rhythm breathing, After a few minutes, he then evoked the image of his ideal compassionate self and reminded himself of the key attributes and qualities of compassion, feeling them in his own mind and body. In this mindset, he examined each of his undermining thoughts and slowly responded to each situation compassionately. Harry chose to add each of these compassionate responses to the bottom of the worksheet. Alternatively, he could have chosen to link them specifically to each of the points in the first column, embedding them within the worksheet. His additional thoughts and images include the following. Things are often difficult. Life can be hard. It is understandable that I feel as I do about things. Some people do make judgment, and there are often things I cannot control. This can be the gift. This can be difficult. Such things don't happen only to me. I have had a difficult time, and it is understandable I still struggle with things. Of course I want things to be better, but it may be more helpful to support myself rather than undermine myself, retain images of the compassionate instead of the critical teacher, seeing myself taking towards the compassionate one and standing by her side.
It helps to be understanding of my difficulties, but also to learn from setbacks and use them to help me move forward. I took a short break, and then in the penultimate step of this exercise, he once again evoked a compassionate mindset. He engaged in his soothing rhythm, breathing, and then brought to mind his compassionate coach. In this frame of mind, Harry then slowly read through all of his compassionate alternative thoughts and images, allowing time for each of them to resonate with him. This helped the alternative have more impact and reduce his old brain's capacity to dismiss them. Finally, in step five, Harry reviewed once more what he had written and experienced. He reflected that when he read out loud what he had written, he did it in a warm and soothing tone, and the experience was truly helpful to him. In time, Harry found that repeated use of this exercise made it easier for him to readily access such thoughts and associated feelings, not only while carrying out exercises to improve his self-confidence, but also when he found himself in difficult situations. Harry's story is a a comprehensive example designed to show an across-the-board approach to someone's problems. You may find it easy to choose one undermining thoughts or image at a time, working through it in isolation, rather than attempting to work through all of your problems at once. Rather than continue to focus on thoughts and images that undermine your self-confidence, do the following exercise to help you generate compassionate thoughts. Remember the emphasis is on finding something that works for you. Don't worry too much about getting the exercise right or about being neat or concise. So it consists, throw yourself into it and explore what is in your mind and what alternative you can come up with. Now we come to exercise number 38, giving your new and compassionate brain a voice. Use the following worksheet to record your compassionate thoughts and images or write in your notebook or journal. Remember to take the following steps. And these we have been through a lot, so we just skip to worksheet number seven. Your compassionate alternative thoughts and images. Reflection on exercise number 38. Some people find that they can come up with alternative thoughts and images, be they pragmatic or compassionate, without the need to write things down. And at times, this may be the only option. For example, it would be hard to write while driving, in the middle of a meeting or on a night out. However, more often than not, committing thoughts to paper can help to focus the mind. While engaging in writing, people often find that they can keep their emotions in check and concentrate instead on working out the problem, confronting them. I find that it's a bit like mental automate. If I try to work things out in my mind, I get lost in an <clears throat> and all the ramifications. I also become easily distracted by what is going on around me. However, if I write things down, it's much easier for me to keep track of every aspect of the problem. Step number five of the process helps to highlight the things, uh, the things it may be beneficial for you to consider further. If you find, for example, that you experience doubt <coughs> about certain alternative thoughts or images, Evoke your compassionate mind once more and investigate matter further. Are there other things that you are telling yourself that may account for your feelings of doubt? 
the alternative perhaps, arose strong emotional res- res- responses in you. Is the critical part of yourself stepping in and again undermining things for you? Noticing striking points can be really important, as this will guide you towards areas that still need to be addressed before you can build your self-confidence further. Finally, you may find it helpful to write down key thoughts on the front or back cover of your notebook or on a postcard to keep readily available. Brief statements that are personally significant, such as, it's understandable that sometimes I struggle, may suffice. You may prefer to write more comprehensive statements or combinations of the two, such as, I have been through a lot. It takes time to build self-confidence. Each day I will nurture myself and use my courage to grow. When I have setbacks, I will be both kind and encouraging to myself. I will then reflect and take a further step uh, tomorrow. Before reading these statements, don't forget to use your soothing rhythm breathing and to evoke a compassionate mindset. Being in a compassionate mindset will help these statements sink in. And now we come to chair work. But we take a small break and I come back again. Yes, and I'm back again. And we have come to chair work. Having paid attention to the undermining or self-critical thoughts that run through your mind and then generated compassionate alternatives, you can now put to a, a different use the imaginary work covered in chapter 7 through 9. In this section, you will learn how to use two chairs to help in addressing your self-undermining. Chair work is used in a number of ways in psycho, psycholo- psychological therapy. In this instance, you will use it to evoke different aspects of yourself, namely the part of you that may be struggling, and your compassionate mindset, your ideal compassionate self, your perfect nurturer, or your compassionate coach or teacher. Because people prefer to use different imagery to evoke a compassionate mindset, this exercise will refer to the compassionate role. Chapter 9 looked at how using particular smells, textures, music or pictures can help you to switch on your compassionate mindset. If you found this exercise or if you found this of help previously, it may be beneficial to use these prompts again during this exercise. Exercise number 39 two chairs. Begin by bringing into mind a situation where you have struggled, a time that evoked an emotional response in you. This may be a situation you have looked at in a previous exercise or one that you have written down in your notebook or journal. It will be something you are happy to work on now, but which has previously made you feel anxious, low or angry, and has undermined your self-confidence. Now place two chairs so that they are almost facing each other, but at a straight angle, maybe as you would arrange the chairs together if a friend were visiting. Now, sitting in one of the chairs, assume the role of the part of you that is struggling. Allow yourself to express your worries, concerns and frustrations out loud. It may feel quite uncomfortable or unnatural doing this at first, Because the exercise is focusing on your thoughts, try to stay with these rather than get too deep into the associated emotions. Strong emotions can turn off the speech center of the brain, and it is important that you get a conversation going here. 
Take time to voice everything that is struggling you. Once you have, once you feel you have described the situation out loud, stand up and walk around for a while, or sit quietly in a comfortable, different chair. Practice your soothing rhythm breathing. When you are ready, sit down in the second chair. Assume your compassionate posture, with your spine strong but your body relaxed. Bring to mind a compassionate role that works best for you, and experience the warmth that this evokes. As you engage your compassionate mind, imagine sitting in the presence of the part of you that is struggling. You may find that your facial expressions softens. Remind yourself of the attributes and qualities of your compassionate role, tolerant of distress, warm and wise, non-judgmental and possessing great courage. Experience these qualities for a few moments in your mind and body. Now, with warmth in your voice and heart, speak to the part of you that is struggling. Maybe acknowledge that you are experiencing difficulties and that life is hard for you. Acknowledge the fact that a whole range of factors has led to this difficult situation, and it is not your fault but a product of your biology and experiences. This might make you feel uncomfortable. If so, just allow yourself time to settle. Maybe again engaging in your soothing rhythm breathing. When you are ready, assume the role once more, just as an actor steps into the skin of someone he or she is attempting to portray. Speaking out loud, address the struggling part of yourself. It may help to point out that many people struggle similarly, and you are not alone in this. Perhaps remind yourself of other times when you have overcome setbacks and grow uh, and grown from them. When you feel as though the compassionate role you have inhabited has voiced all its wishes to share, stand up once again. After spending a little time with your soothing rhythm breathing, return to the first chair. Settle yourself for a moment. Now imagine yourself back into the first role, sitting in the presence of your compassionate self and hearing what it was it has to say, feeling its warmth towards you. Sit still and experience these sensations for a while. Only when you feel that you have gotten as much as you can from this exercise and while keeping hold of the emotions it has evoked in you, pick up your notebook or journal and jot down some reminders for yourself. Ask yourself such questions as, what did the compassionate self say or want me to do or know? How did it perceive me, this situation and others like it? Once you feel you have recorded the all-important point, stand up and walk around for a while. If this is difficult, you may choose to sit in a different chair altogether. Engage with your soothing rhythm breathing. When you already sit down in the compassionate chair once more, is there anything else you should add to your summary? Other things you would like to say to the part of you that is struggling? Finally, slowly read through the points that you have recorded. Allow yourself the time to experience the words and feel them emotionally. Reflections on exercise number 39. When faced with this exercise, some people find a number of reasons not to do it. They fear they will find it uncomfortable and, understandably, want to avoid this. But my advice is always, what have you got to lose? You don't need to do this in the presence of others. 
You can do it in the privacy of your own home. Time and time again, people go on to report that, despite their initial reservations, having given it in a go, they found it to be one of the most powerful exercises they've tried. Some report finding uh, some report finding no reason to speak while in the compassionate role. Others tell me that they direct warmth or color towards the self that is struggling, or they direct gently waves of soothing energy. Having returned to the original chair, they find, sorry, they then find that this has helped. Some people seem to need a different way of viewing their situations before they can bring about an emotional change in themselves, whereas others find that they can experience such changes without the need of this sort of role-playing. Of course, as ever, the key is finding something that works for you. However, I would always suggest trying to give the compassionate role a voice, for it can be very effective. Conclusion It is apparent that the thoughts and images that occupy our mind can play a key role in undermining our self-confidence. They can also help us to build it when combined with a compassionate frame of mind. The next chapter will look at compassionate letter writings as a means of further building your self-confidence. So this is number 11, compassionate letter writing. So this about uh, having a chair or two chairs and finding a struggle that you are struggling with and expressing that struggle out loud and then taking on the role of the more compassionate self and trying as good as you can to soothe that other person. You could say that you are actually making a sort of a mind trick on yourself. It can actually help some people into gaining more self-confidence, can address the issues that they have in the past. So it could also be in the leg of a therapist, of course, if you do not have money. I am not saying that you should avoid a therapist if you need one, but I'm saying that a lot of countries uh, around the world, you have to pay for a counselor or a therapist. So if you do not have uh, money for that, you can simply just use this uh, chair exercise. And you can many times find yourself in a soothing rhythm, breathing exercise uh, once you are in the compassionate mindset, once you have to uh, talk to uh, the person in you that are struggling. And of course, it can be very uncomfortable in the beginning, of course. Uh, that's basic knowledge, but you should be aware of the fact that it is private. No one else has to witness it, it should be uh, something that you do on your own. Uh, so that when you feel comfortable doing it, you find yourself into a sort of like state of mind where the more compassionate part of yourself, the mind coach, so to speak, have more room for him or her so that they also feel comfortable in you, so that 
that voice or deep inner voice becomes the prominent one. Because a lot of people struggle with thoughts of inadequacies, of being alone and being uh, sad and not being part of uh, humanity, not being part of a loving and caring family, not being part of uh, feeling love and care from other human beings. So you could uh, say to yourself, well, this can actually help me cope and soothe my issues, can actually help me build my self-confidence. So building self-confidence, there's a lot of ways to do that, of course. I would also highly suggest that uh, you set some goals in life. Set some, maybe even only small goals in life, but you set some goal in life and you try to achieve it as good as you can. And of course, when you have small setbacks, you have a soothing person inside you who comfort you and tell you that it's okay to fail as long as, of course, you get up again and try once more. Because it's the failing and realizing you have failed, forgiving yourself for the wrongs uh, that you might uh, beat yourself on the head with, and having a more soothing person who tells you that it's okay, uh, just uh, forget about it, it's no big deal. You are still loved, you are still a good person, uh, that can actually help boost your self-confidence, help boost the way you look at yourself in a more compassionate and kind way. Because looking at yourself in a more compassionate, kind way should be one of the main goals in life. Because once you do that, then you can start having a more profound conversation with yourself. Your inner voice becomes more profound at explaining what you need to do in these current situations that you find yourself in. So we have to realize that our mind works two ways. And a lot of people's minds works in the negative direction, in the fear-based mindset. And of course, then you get depressed and miserable and do not feel very self-confident about yourself. So it's very important you realize also that what comes through your mind, through your eyes and ears, is also very important into feeling self-confident. So if you occupy your mind with uh, dark personality traits, not so pleasant personality traits, I have noticed something that when I look at uh, television, I see a, a sort of like a very strange tendency to over-empathize uh, a personality trait on us humans that are not natural. So you can ask yourself, am I really 
occupying my mind with natural people or people with natural personalities? Or are their personalities actually enhanced in some way? You can see it in children's place where their mimic and facial expressions is very exaggerated. But also, there's also a lot of violence even in uh, children's um, what they entertain themselves with, and also a lot of action. There's there should be happening something every second of the hour. They occupy their mind with the television set or the computer screen or the smartphone, of course, also. So this tendency to always be entertained, always have this sensation of there should be happening something right now, actually also could make your mind wander in the negative direction. You do not allow yourself to quiet your mind. You do not allow yourself to relax, simply just meditate on being alive and being happy and content with whatever situation you are in right now. So you do not allow yourself uh, to work on your mind because it's always occupied with the television set, with things that tend to focus on the more negative personality traits of us humans. But once you realize that you can do something about it, then you can say to yourself, well, I'm not going to allow myself to occupy my mind with this anymore. And then you can start to have a feeling of comfort inside yourself. A sort of like a relaxed mind. And once that relaxed mind comes into play, you feel more invigorated. You feel more compassionate about your own life. You feel more compassionate about other human beings. You start to think about other human beings in a more loving and caring and kind way. Because you have started to allow your mind to wander in a more positive direction. So occupying your mind with positive human beings, with positive things to say, a positive podcast, there are a lot of them out there in English or in your own language, that you can occupy your mind with. But also being aware of simply just meditating in a quiet place for maybe even an hour a day can actually help you become more confident, can help you become more happy and content in life and can boost your self-confidence. It's also something that I believe you should make one of the priorities in your life because I have done it in my life and I have found that meditation on simply just and expanding my mind in a more compassionate, loving and caring direction towards myself and towards others has helped me cope and deal with these bad emotions that I have had in the past. I have actually almost got gotten rid of them. But I also, when I, once I have started this meditation journey, 
I also can very rapidly and very quickly see when bad thoughts uh, enter my mind and I can actually pinpoint where they come from now. I can actually say, well, that was a part of one of Alex's uh, uh, programs that I watched where I saw something that I could be upset about or something on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or on all the rest of the uh, social media crap. That, that entered a bad emotion in my mind that I allowed it to enter my mind. And that I could pinpoint where it actually came from is a great help to me, of course. And I also hope it's going to be a great help to you in the future so that you can allow yourself to be very selective about what you put through your eyes and ears. So showing love and care and kindness towards yourself being aware of other people's bad behaviors that can influence you and being aware of how it affects you, being aware of perhaps I'm not so confident in myself, perhaps it comes from a place that I did not think about before. But now I know that perhaps it was from my childhood, from my parents, or from my teenage years, or anything else that could hinder you into starting the road to everlasting love and kindness. But we need to be very selective. It's basic knowledge, of course, what you put in, come out, garbage in, garbage out. So if you put garbage in, you will have a mind that is not so pleasant for yourself and for your surroundings. So also being aware of this, being aware of the fact that we humans, we tend to be drawn to the negative. We tend to be drawn to gossip, to things that are not going to make us happy at all, is not going to put a smile on our faces, but simply is just entertainment for the entertainment's fault or sake. It's simply just made there to entertain us so that we have something that we can occupy our mind with. But I'm here to tell you, you have a choice of your own. You can actually choose to say to yourself, I am from now on only allowing my mind to work in the direction that is going to benefit me and my loved ones and the people that I do not know but might come become my friends in the future. So the way we mold our mind, the way we occupy our mind with or how we occupy our mind with or the direction that we want in life it's very important that we take the power back to ourselves. That we do not allow other people to mold our mind. Because we, if we do that, they are going to mold it in a direction that they want. And a lot of people, especially in the mainstream media and the rest of it, all want power over us. 
They want to oppress us. They want to take our mind into captivity and mold it in the direction that they want. They all want something from you. And what they want from you is your freedom. A freedom to decide for yourself what to occupy your mind with. So that you get, get actually can actually get addicted to the news. To always being in the know of, of what is happening. Allowing them to mold your mind. So snapping out of it is the first step you can take. In order for you to boost your self-confidence. In order for you to allow to work on your inner voice in a more compassionate and kind way. And by doing so, you are actually starting this journey that I will say I wished I started for 40 years ago when I was born, but I cannot change the past. I can only change the way I look at the future. And that is when I look at how I am as a person right here, right now. Living in the now, I cannot change the past and I cannot live in the future. I can only live right here, right now. So right here, right now, I'm a human being talking to you and I hope I am warning you in a way that you can see is going to benefit you benefit your mind, benefit who you are as a human being. Because I, I want to be happy and content in life. I want to feel love and I want to love other human beings. But in order for me to do that, I also have to express my concerns with other human beings that tend to occupy their mind with something that is not so pleasant with, uh, for them. So when I pinpoint these things out, you could of course say no to it, you can just ignore it, or you could take up the challenge. See for yourself if these techniques work. If trying to mold your mind in the direction that you want, can actually help you, benefit you, and make you a more happy and content human being. I'm not saying it's a miracle uh, work this. You have to put in the work and effort, of course, to do so. So the first step, of course, is allowing ourselves to say no to what we occupy our mind with. Be very selective of it. The second step is, of course, uh, making meditation a part of our lives. The third step is being aware of the fact that there is a creator who loves us all. And of course, I believe this creator is Jehovah God, the Almighty One. I believe that every human being around the world, we all, seven billion of us, come from the same place. We all come from an egg and a sperm cell, which comes from egg and a sperm cell, which comes from egg and a sperm cell, and so forth and so on. That means that we come from something that could be placed in the head of a top of a needle, but that could also be placed in the head of a top of a needle. That's our father and mother, 
but that could also be placed in the head of a top of a needle. That's our grandfather and grandmother, and so forth and so on. So we have a loving and caring and kind uh, creator that we can pray to, that listens to us once we allow our mind to say yes to him. And we do that when we close our prayer to him, when we say in the name of your one begotten son, Jesus Christ, because it was Jesus who allowed the way for a resurrection of every human being that has died up until now. So we need to be aware of the fact that there is a creator. He loves us very much. He wants us to show love and compassion and kindness towards each other. That's the only way that we can be close to him. But he has also made it so that he has created us with a free will. We can choose which road we want to take in life. But I would say that it's the more compassionate and kind and loving way that works if we want to benefit how we feel about ourselves and others. So molding our mind in this direction can actually help us cope and deal with the stresses of everyday life. We all are under some sort of pressure in everyday life, regardless of who we are or where we come from. We are all human beings created by the Almighty One. And realizing that, realizing that this loving and caring and kind God who has nothing but love for his human beings that he has created can actually also be a driving force in our lives. And this driving force in our life can actually become a driving force in other people's lives also. You can actually affect people in a positive direction once you have said to yourself that I also want to take this positive uh, path in life. So meditating on loving kindness, meditating on the merciful Samaritan, as I have been explaining in the earlier uh, podcast, being or having a mind that is even more compassionate than it was yesterday. Being very selective of what we put through our eyes and ears is also extremely important. Uh, so you could become aware when you meditate on things that that are not so pleasant for you. And you, when you meditate uh, for a while, you can actually break or stop this uh, before it reaches your mind and can poison your mind, can allow yourself to have these negative emotions that clutter your mind and cloud your mind. 
and make it very difficult for you to feel joy and happiness and love and kindness in your life. So being aware of these negative emotions, how they enter our mind, how we can stop these very bad thoughts, very bad emotions, is actually what we should occupy our mind with. And once we do that, then we can start molding our mind in a direction that is going to be pleasant, not only for ourselves, but also for people around us. People around us can also feel that we are people who work on ourselves. We work on our personalities. We try to mold our mind in the direction that is more everlasting love and kindness, the main personality of Jehovah God. So by doing that, by allowing our mind to be molded in the direction that we know is going to be beneficial for us, is going to be the biggest life changer in your life, because it has been in mine. Because you could say, well, Kenneth, you are also under this, not a lockdown anymore, of course, but you have also been under the stress of this new world order. Yes, we all have. They are very bad people, very evil people, uh, worshipping the evil one, and they also want to have us join them. But saying no to them, saying no to allowing them to occupy your mind, is the best thing that you can do in your life. Saying no to even close friends who also try to pull you in the direction that they want, in a negative direction that they want, and saying no to them can also boost your confidence. Saying no to negative emotions in human beings can actually allow yourself to become a more happy and content human being, a human being that wants to better lives from for others also. Because that should also be a priority in our lives. Making sure that every human being that we meet have a good and pleasant experience of us. So molding our mind in the direction that Jehovah God, the Almighty One, wants us to mold it is also a big part of us humans. We are not aware of it right now, but perhaps in the future, when we start molding our mind, we can see the forest for the trees. We can see that, yes, why couldn't I see it before? But now I see it very clearly. Love and care and kindness towards myself and towards others should and should always be my number one priority. It should be my main focus in life. So main focus in life, what we occupy our mind with, how we interact with other human beings, and what we are willing to do 
to mold ourselves in a direction that is much more positive is very important. So, in closing, we can always occupy our mind with things that are not going to be benefit- beneficial for us. We can always try to cope and deal with life in a way that other people are coping and dealing with life, but perhaps it's not going to be so beneficial for us. If we can see that the result that they have is very poor, perhaps we should not take uh, that journey that they have taken. Perhaps we should be learning from other human beings <laughs> that uh, perhaps have taken a different route in life. Take the Dalai Lama, for, for instance. He is a very loving and caring and kind human being, but he has also put in a lot of hours molding his mind in that direction. So it does not just come uh, by being a human being, It comes from what we occupy our mind with. And he has occupied his mind with being a loving and caring and kind human being, meditating on it for many, many hours. And also being there for other human beings. When they have struggles, he have tried as good as he could to give as good as profound a, uh, advice as he could and trying to help other human beings also reach their full potential, reach their striving for a more loving and caring and kind personality can actually also mold our mind in a more positive direction. So there are a lot of books out there also, a lot of self-help books that also, when you occupy your mind with these, can also make it more pleasurable to be a human being, can allow these thoughts from other human beings to enter your mind and occupying your mind with positive thoughts and ideas from other human beings should also be one of the priorities in your life and also it should be in my life also. Because I believe that whatever we occupy our mind with is what result we want in our lives, in our mind, in our personalities. So you can learn a lot from other human beings and what they occupy their mind with simply by talking to them. And you quickly realize how they allow these things to mold their mind. And of course, you can help them by talking about yourself and what you occupy your mind with and how it has helped and benefited you in your life. So people's mind have a tendency to wander, as I have been explaining many times. So why not just try and make them wander in this more positive direction? so that we show love and care and kindness to each other, regardless of difference of opinions, regardless of whatever or whoever we are.
So allow ourselves uh, compassion and kindness to enter our life, being there for other human beings, becoming a more loving and caring and kind human should be number one priority in our lives. So with these words, I wish you a good day. This is Kenneth Anderson signing off. It's the 2nd of May, 2021. The time is 16.33 and it is Sunday. Bye.